What are you wearing? <laughs> Stop with the what are you wearing? How was your week? My week was was very was was a lot. I'm getting ready for a long trip. And Ooh, yeah, where are you going? I'm going to California. I'm going to stay there for a while, and uh, you know, wrapping up our personal work with Scream Queen and getting things put together to be away for a while. It's just a lot of work, you know. I'm I'm looking forward to actually like not doing it. What's the longest you've been in a car? I've been in a car for very long drives. We used to drive from California to Arizona all the time. So sitting in a car with your younger brother and sister and your parents and your luggage and everyone hates each other and you go for like, you know. Is this not the start of the Hills Have Eyes? Maybe. I was thinking like, you know, any of the National Lampoon vacations. Are you more of a Rusty or an Audrey? I think it depends on which movie. You know? Right, because they change every time. They change every time. Their personalities change every time. <laughs> like European vacation, I'm definitely a Rusty. <laughs> you are definitely an Audrey crying over the sausages on the plate. See, I would say it's Audrey from Christmas Vacation because Juliet Lewis is the moment. <laughs> right. Have you been watching anything that you've liked recently? Yeah. Well, you know, November is my ghost story month. This is the time where I watch all those like Legend of Sleepy Hollow and the Changeling and all that. Last night I threw on the Tim Burton Dark Shadows. Oh my God. Why? Love that movie. You don't like it? Okay, so I have a story about that. Okay, well, I'm going to first tell you why I love this movie. Michelle Pfeiffer and Michelle Pfeiffer. The best thing in anything she's in. Absolutely. I, I, I actually think she is one of my favorite people of all time uh but i love the music in this i love the characters in this the house all of it i like how it is it's just a lot of fun so what's your fucking story (laughs) um bring it down when i first moved to new york and i was underemployed i would often go to the theater and there was one in union square where it had like a separate secret staircase connecting the two floors of theaters where you could you know buy a ticket for one movie and then go down the back stairs and hey, where was this union square okay and there was a another staircase to the other side of theaters so you could easily buy one ticket and stay all day if you wanted to and i would time it i would buy a ticket for one movie so that it, when it was over the next movie i wanted to see would start and the last time I ever did this, I started with Dark Shadows, and it was such not the movie I wanted to watch that I left. I, I paid for one ticket, and I left, and I never tried to do a double feature again. Like, the punishment of that movie at that time... Was that you had to refrain from being a criminal. Exactly. It made me an honest man. I was just like, you know what? I would rather be doing anything else than watching movies today. I I love Tim Burton. I love Dark Shadows TV show. I just didn't think the humor worked for me. It was like, if you're gonna do this, like give me Adam's Family Values, give me the Brady Bunch movie, like be fucking funny. Well, I like I don't really care about that. I just like the way it looks and the music was fun. But um Frankenweenie is fantastic. Oh, so good. So good. And Made me cry. Ugly yeah. cry. 
Totally. I, that was that was one of the uh, Uncle Spooky gifts I gave to my nieces and nephews. It was like trying to find horror-related family films. Yeah. At least Frank and Winnie looks like a classic scary movie, but is also fun and not totally devastating. I really love Paranorman, too. Mm. Um, I love it. I mean, he just reminded me of me as a kid. And I love <laughs> the fact that they the opening, I don't know if you've seen it recently at all, but it opens like a oh, real that, George yeah. Romero moment. I, and they I, were authentic with the music and all of it. When we did Scream Queen tour and we had that little collection of horror movie clips to play at the after party, I would use that Paranorman movie within a movie zombie moment with the hands punching through the door. I yeah, your, it. It was, your party edit was fabulous. I got a, I think, I don't think I have it. You gave me a different disc, but that was I'll a send, lot of fun. That made things wonderful. I'll send you a copy. Please do. I loved it. Uh, yeah, Par Paranorman with the gay character at the end was actually really, that was a amazing surprise when I saw this right, in the theater. Right. It's, it's good. I'm not going to say otherwise, um, especially for like a family movie. That's, that's good. That's a start. Yeah. I want it to go further as, as we go along. Well, you know, ev everything, there's steps. You take totally, the steps. Totally, this is totally. a step. And now we go the next step. You're talking about ghost movies, which I also love. And I saw a really fantastic one on Netflix this week, which was phenomenal. It like floored me. I loved it so much. It's called His House. And it's um, the same actress who's in Lovecraft Country. I can't remember her name, but she's fantastic. Um, yeah. It's about refugees who are, they're going to the Britain. I don't know. I can probably get all this wrong. They're refugees and they get assigned a house and they're not allowed to leave, which kind of, solves that part of any haunted house movie where everyone's just like well just leave like yeah. they're coming from a really awful place and getting put into a new awful place and you realize that their hands are tied and they just have to like fucking deal and try to figure out what's going on and it is claustrophobic it's terrifying it gave me the nightmare logic of like serpents in the rainbow and people under the stairs it's like giving me really abstract horror, but also playing with darkness. Where like they will show an empty doorway, and I fill in the gaps of all the terrible things I can imagine that are waiting for me if I walk into that dark room. All right. Well, you've sold it. I'll watch it. What's it called again? His house. His, His house. house. Whose house? His house. His house. That sounds good. What's that on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Yeah, it just came out on the 30th of October. So it was a sneak Halloween surprise. And I think it played at Sundance. I don't know. But it's criminal, the fact that no one is talking about this movie because it is phenomenal. I'll watch it. I, I found this little... I, I like, you know, short story, short, scary story things too. And there's something on... Is it Netflix? It's called Two Minute Horror. Okay, yeah, you were t telling me about this. I mean, they're they're like, uh, or no, sorry, two sentence horror stories, oh. and they take they take like they summarize things with two sentences to start, and then you get the second sentence at the end, um, and they're like you know Twilight Zone 
length. Like uh, 30 minute like yeah. episodes or okay. Yeah. You know, there's one that's like home invasion and another one that's sort of like a, you know, voodoo in the family type thing. It's, it's interesting. I like what people can do with these horror stories in a very short 30 minute span, you know, I just, I like that format. It's a lot of fun. Plus you can, you can put it on and put on something else afterwards, but. Right. You can just drop in or is there like an arc to the. You know, it's just drop in. Drop in. I love that. I mean, that's how TV used to be. And Mm -hmm. then something happened where like, you got to like pay attention to every episode. Sure. Absolutely. The cliffhangers keep you going back for more just because you can't live without knowing. Even if you don't even really like it, you still have to know. It's like the countdown effect. I got it. Like I'm starting at ten. I got to see what's at number one. Right. You can't walk away at four. It's just it's too much. We <laughs> as people can't we can't go on living unless we know. So <laughs> with that, I am so excited because today we have our good Judy Cecil Baldwin with us. Oh, Cecil. Cecil, for those who are familiar, is the narrator of Welcome to Night Vale podcast. He's also the narrator of our film, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. He's done so much. He's got, he is an entity of his own. And we've, we've hung out together. We've been on the road together. Right, and right. He was, he was like a good big sister to tell us how to live on the road for yeah. our last year. Yeah. I feel like I know him professionally, and I really want to get to know him more intimately. So I'm excited to talk to him. You're listening to Ghouls on Film. I'm Tyler. I'm Roman. Each week we interview our creative friends about the thrills and the horrors of bringing their nightmares to life. When we're back, we have Cecil Baldwin. Let's get sick, Nick. <laughs> There'll be food and drink and ghosts and perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. Ghouls on film. Ghouls on film. Yes. Ghouls on film. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I had to get that out of my system really, like, just I'll do it once <laughs> and I won't do it again, I promise. Cecil, you yes. have one of the sexiest voices we've ever heard. But we want to know who you think has the sexiest voice in the biz. Just so you know, my name is on this list. That <laughs> so I'm number one. Oh, wow. <laughs> just so we know. Wow. But after me. no um voices that i love like i love cherry jones do you know cherry jones oh my god yes she's she is like probably one of the like the best living character actors right the taxpayers money i don't have a problem with homosexuals or injection drug users but there is only one pie and we're talking about spending two billion dollars of it on the small percentage of the population with HIV, which will mean cutting funding for Alzheimer's, muscular dystrophy, and diabetes, and multiple sclerosis. Oh, good, the MS card. I always think of her as like the dream butch from. Um, oh yeah. Transparent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she is a she is an out out lesbian. Um, she is from Tennessee as well. Ha ha. Uh, she's from Western Tennessee. Um, and her accent actually kind of reminds me of my aunt's a little bit. Okay. But okay. she um, she is one of those actors that like 
is so completely her you know like that's what i aspire to be like someone that's so completely themselves but her accent is like a little bit southern a little bit like you know a little little delicious not raspy but like has that gravel to it that gravitas to it that's like i don't know but like that that would be a, like a true that's a truly great american voice um a truly great british voice um charles lawton as artists i often ask why this longing for art, for sculpture, for painting, music, buildings, literature? Why are we attracted to beauty? Charles Lawton uh, was when I was when I was working at the Shakespeare Theater in D.C. Um, I was like T.A. for this this um, incredibly intelligent, longtime actor um, who. Charles Lawton was his favorite and like I was like his TA and you know I would I would like essentially carry his books for him when he would taught adults and and we used to listen to like Charles Lawton on on tape he sounds like Alfred Hitchcock meets Orson Welles. Do you have any particular significance for you? Oh yes Shakespeare here, Sorrow, Plato, Dickens, Bernard Shaw down here. What is this one? Oh um that's for my own amusement. It's Tom Swift and his electric motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's that same accent that Alfred Hitchcock had, but in a much more jovial, you know, big loving of life and his command of language and the voice and and that British Shakespeare thing that they do that is just so I could listen to it for hours. You know, <laughs> like you want to see him like as as the ghost of Christmas present. You know, yeah. in in like forever. I I love like like I gotta say my uncle's voice. Uh, I know this isn't a celebrity, but my uncle Bobby. Like, while we're on the subject of like kind of Tennessee like American roots, like my uncle Bobby was uh, he lived in Memphis with his wife and kids. You know, his whole life, and and he was always like so that like warm welcome like Southerner that it's just so. It's just so authentic. Um, and he was maybe because he wasn't my dad, like he was able to be proud of me and, you know, for like a lot of being a weird indie theater faggot that like my dad just couldn't fully commit to being proud of me for, mm. you know, but my uncle was like, I kind of always got, he was wanted to be the creative one and having a kid that was being creative and making a life of it in the family, like really meant a lot to him, you know? Um, so like I'm going to start crying to... now. Yeah, I know, right? If I'm not giving you good podcast gold, I don't know what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. What am I doing? Do you know right Glenn now? Yarbrough, the singer? No, I don't. He's the don't. He was the voice of the songs from the Hobbit animation. Oh, what are you doing? oh my God, those were the and best. So this man sang the Tom Bombadil song is what you're, is what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. So, but <laughs> yeah, he has that kind of voice, like similar to what you're talking about. Like, I wouldn't say it's the sexiest voice, but it's a voice I could just listen to. Yeah. Like, just well, read me the menu. You know? it's, it's got range, like, yeah. you know. And I don't know, I like, I like, I like thinking that someday I'll hopefully aspire to be of that level of these, these kind of greats, you know? Mm. Nice. I don't know. Maybe, the maybe someday. The impact. Well, I think Tyler and I each had one that we were going to add. Who was yours, Roman? Mine was Bing Crosby. Um, Ooh. Wow. Speaking of fabulous characters, how about Paul Bunyan, Pecos Bill, Johnny Appleseed, Black Bart, Davy Crockett, Daniel Boone, and of course, the one and only Ichabod Crane. 
I was watching the Disney Ichabod Crane Headless Horseman cartoon the other night, and I was nice. like, God damn, I forgot how great Bing Cosby, Bing Bring, can't say his name, Bring Cosby, Bing Co- Bing Crosby's voice can go from like every man chummy to like yeah. really smooth as he's announcing the walk through the woods. It was the very witching hour of night that Ichabod pursued his travel homeward. The sky grew darker and darker as one by one the stars... And then he's singing the songs with Brom Bones. I mean, he was great. All the Christmas specials he did. Oh, my God, right. He's yeah. he's part of my past because he's in every holiday show I ever watched. It's it's literally like like a, a voice, like a warm, fuzzy sweater. Yeah. That you're mm-hmm. like, we'll pull this out at Christmas time. Manly, but <laughs> wants to hug you and, mm. you know, can talk about art and... Maybe smells a little like, you know, like Whiskey. pipe smoke. Whiskey and feet. Yeah, you know? he's gonna tell you dirty things in your ear too. You know, yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. Only if you get him his highball. <laughs> Tyler, who do you, who did you pick? Who did I you mean, pick, to stick on theme, I was a little bit more uh, Candyman, Tony Todd. Oh, I remember oh, watching God, that movie right? as a child, and just the sound of his voice was so terrifying. It literally shook your bones. It and now I'm like, out of its socket. It terrified so me, but like in a exciting. Be my so. Because you want to go, like it's seductive. Right. Be my victim. Oh my god, I can't wait to see that movie. Oh Does my god, right? No, now it's know not when? until twenty twenty one. Okay, we'll be dead. We'll be. It'll dead be worth the wait It'll be for fun. sure. We won't be dead. But we will. Some of us might be. Right. Right. <laughs> Maybe, but I. It, it's it's a big question mark. But no, like one of the things that makes that goddamn movie so good is that you want to go with Candyman. Right? You know? Like it Yes, take sense. me into the mirror, please. Like You, you got me you, hooked. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> However, because we're spooky and we're ghouls, we'd like to know if you were Dr. Frankenstein and you were building yourself a boyfriend, what parts of what people would you put together for your monstrous mate? You know, that's a good question, Tyler. I've been making a man <laughs> with long hair and a tan, and he's good for relieving my tension. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do appreciate a unique character flaw. Now I'm gonna start there, and like, like someone who is, you know, conventionally attractive, but has that one little thing, like the, you know, like the, the, the gap between the teeth, the mole, the like, the, the like wonky eyebrow because it's like a stamp of approval mm. you know it's like if you were to line up all the twinks you can still kind of find that one guy that's like oh that's that thing about you that makes you you i really appreciate that um but i mean if you want like body parts body parts no or character um, everything oh what no. would be the perfect mate get horrific like chop them uh, up yeah <laughs> i mean i have a thing i have a th- okay i have a thing for british guys with floppy hair Okay. okay. So like your Ray Fines, your your um, uh, Jeremy Irons. Okay. You know, and if they have a mustache and floppy hair, then I'm like, wet. You know. Uh. <laughs> Bring a bucket and a mop. That's right. Absolutely. Um, Didn't Rupert Everett have that look in the '90s? Or oh. No? oh yeah. Oh absolutely. Yeah. Like actually, Rupert Everett was one of my first gay crushes in high school. Really. Yeah, Same. absolutely. Same. Because like, you know, I, I kind of weaned myself on, not weaned, not, I don't know, there's a joke in there somewhere. I weaned myself on on the sort of cult 
and foreign section of my local VHS video store. And because that was the only way I could see gay content without, you know, driving to the Barnes and Noble and looking at the half a shelf right? that we oh. had at Barnes and Noble. Cruising you know. the periodicals. Oh my God. You're just like, wow, look at that Spartacus guide for <laughs> San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Instinct Magazine, XY Magazine. Yeah, that's right. Um, so the video, so like a lot of foreign films kind of dealt with sexuality in ways that I didn't even know were possible. So like another country with Rupert Everett and Carrie Elways was like, mm -hmm. you know, here's me in my like suburban Southern household, like wishing I was at Eton, go panting on the Thames. <laughs> Two cold English men would bust my door down, cover me in whipped cream and just leave. As you <laughs> wish. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Um, I guess, you know, like in a lot of ways, I, I, you know, being like kind of a sort of a dark Jewishy, you know, kind of guy, I guess I did sort of fantasize about that sort of blonde carved out of cream cheese, you know, kind of thing. And because one, I grew up in the same town as I grew up in a university town. The university of Tennessee, Knoxville is huge like massive they're known for like having the like second largest football stadium in the country and it's all just like southern blonde you know like redneck country boys that all went to state school like you know so like i kind of and and i never knew any of those guys except when they were calling me fag in high school <laughs> and and like it was that thing of like i could stand up for myself but i also kind of want to like see your dick you know as yeah. well <laughs> you know um but i didn't i didn't you know but i put would up you a call that a complicated was, crush uh <laughs> Listen, there was one guy. Oh, I do like a good mountain man. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Like tall, dark, looks like they would be on like Wild Catch Alaska, you know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. I like caught salmon four. with my bare hands. That's right. Oh, my God. I'm like, I'm going to take take that salmon and we're going to like, you know, eat it and then fuck on the bearskin rug in front of the fire, uh, you know, because it's just the two of us and we're <laughs> fucking crazy and living in the middle of nowhere. No lube. Um, no lube, no, no. Okay, um, but there was a guy, and I, the bear's like still alive. And... <laughs> you know, Stupid. it's our pet. It's our pet. All right, you know, he's like the kind of guy that's like, yeah, we totally keep bears, and we're like, um, maybe we should put the meth down. Maybe we, should just put that away. <laughs> we have plenty of porridge. It's totally okay. It's fine. So, did you have did you have good times then, or was it really just like teen angst? Gay teen Mostly angst. Teen, I think teen angst, a lot of teen angst. Mm. Um, I had a really great group of friends, uh, so I was really lucky about that. Um, like, were there other you know, gay people I, in the theater groups you were in? No. Yeah. I was the only gay kid in all of East Tennessee, as far as I knew. Right. Like, um, like out gay or like... Out gay. Like the only day. out gay one. No, and mm. ever. 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 <laughs> They've closed the state off, Period. Tyler. Yeah, that's right. I broke the mold. <laughs> no, um, what I'm saying is, like, did they come out later in life? Probably. Oh, of course. We even had yeah. a euphemism for it. Like we, like me and my circle of female friends that were all kind of in the chorus and drama and like all that shit. Like there was like three guys that we were all also friends with that were like, I give it a year before he's in the show choir at Dollywood. Was our, <laughs> was our code. Because I grew up like 40 minutes away from Dollywood and legit it's where all the faggots went to go to realize that they were faggots. Yeah. The year after high school before they started college. Meanwhile, I had been out for, you know, a while. Now listen, this is kind of a serious subject. I want to I want to talk about this because right. you asked and I feel like you deserve an honest answer. You know who the me the meanest people to me in high school 
was not the like straight redneck was not the like you know the like good christian girl that was like we don't mind you but you're going to hell yeah you know like it wasn't that it was other gay boys that presented more femme or flamboyant but were still in the closet hmm. they fucking hated me <laughs> because one i was out and two I, I i i'm being mistaken for an adult male teacher you know like i could pass as straight even though it wasn't like a thing that i was trying to do or thinking about but like those boys that had like the higher voice register like more nasal or like they re they were the meanest and they were also the ones to like start rumors about the other gay boys that were like not out of the closet yet but were you know applying for an internship at dollywood they were the <laughs> ones that would like talk shit about them and i was kind of the guy to like stand up and be like you don't know what the fuck you're talking about mm. like you need to fly fly away i love you so, cecil thanks we man. would have been great friends i was out at the same time in high school it's a hard road yeah. it's a hard road but mm -hmm. it made me pretty damn tough yeah you know i had some good times in the gym locker room though ah nice but it's not my show so <laughs> i was such a late bloomer i was such a late bloomer you guys like i didn't even realize how to jerk off properly until i was like like well into my teenage years pause 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 properly what does that mean like to completion you know to completion with, without a rake without you know what i realized was the 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 um, uh the magic ingredient was lubrication was apparently all it took like i didn't mm. know you know so here i am watching up all night watching <laughs> like you know return of the living dead and it's all like you know like you know 80s bodacious tatas and like muscled up oil hunks that i was like you know it's 1 a.m my parents are in sleep and i'm like furiously rubbing my little you know 15 year old dick <laughs> but not realizing that like oh in order to come you need like spit on it or something like you know anything and that was the breaking moment where i was like i have blue balls for three whole years versus i can actually like properly jerk off like a man now. and then you release the kraken and yeah and then it was all downhill from release the kraken <laughs> grease was flooded you flew across um, the room that's right like you left like, a like, Cecil-shaped hole in the wall. Like, imagine me just, like, levitating above the floor, like a fire, you know? Like, it won't stop person. coming! Ah! <laughs> I'm glad you got there. I did date, I did date one boy. I dated one boy in high school. He was from 45 minutes away. We had met through band camp. Of course we did. What yes. instrument did you play besides the flute? Oh. <laughs> the pink oboe. No, I was a French horn player. I was quite an accomplished French horn okay. player. I'm really good at putting my hand up inside of um... <laughs> anything. Anyway, and so pulling out a pulling out a sound. That's right. That's right. Oh, <laughs> it's a, there's an echo in there now. That's nice. Room but no, I dated more. this one boy. He was so sweet. He was also out in high school. He and he, but he lived in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And you know, we saw each other like band competitions, and we're like, "You were hella gay. Um, <laughs> we're gonna make out." Um, did you like him it, because he was the only other gay person that you really knew or did you really were you attracted to him? He wasn't the he wasn't the only one, but he was the only seemingly sane and not from a tragically broken home. Right, right, right. One, because listen, when you grow up in the South, like there's some, you know, like Southern families get real fucked up, yeah. especially if their kids are gay. And 
listen, uh, you know, addiction is really big at a very young age down there. Um, I want to say North Carolina actually holds like the record. Like it's, 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 it can be bad. So mm-hmm. I met friends of friends and like me and my friends were all into like the coffee shop scene down on the university campus. For sure. So we, we, and we were townies to this college town. Um, so it was, there was, you know, like I met every once in a while would meet a guy that's like, you know, like ravenously thirsty, you know what I'm talking about? Mm. Like, like, like has no gears one through four, like it's all fifth gear. <laughs> and, and so I like, you know, Don't kind of know her. not at all. What? No, no, not at all. Like, why are you standing outside of my house at two o'clock in the morning? With the um, boom box. You know, with the boom box with, you know, with like a pack of, you know, a carton of cigarettes that you decided was like our anniversary gift. <laughs> Remember that time you said you liked Marble Reds? I bought you 500 of them. You This this guy wasn't like that, right? No, this guy was not. He was very meek. He was very mild. <clears throat> Um, he was, I can't remember what instrument he played, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but he was, he was very sweet. Um, as a matter of fact, it was, he was so sweet. I think the two of us just didn't know what to do with each other. We're just like, wow, life is tough, huh? Yeah. Huh? Right. Okay. Well, uh, uh, you're going to college next year, huh? That's cool. Me too. Do you want to make out in the back of your car in a Denny's parking lot? Okay. Nice. What song was playing while you were making out? Uh, none. None. What? Um, yeah. You meet at band camp and yet you don't like music. Listen, it was, we were trying to be subtle very poorly, but like <laughs> we were, you know, like being gay in the 90s was a little tough. Yeah. And, you know, Sevierville, Tennessee. In some ways, it was a little harder than the 80s. In some ways. You know, the 80s is undeniably terror for gays. But but the 90s had this weird veil of, oh, you never know he's gay as a compliment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And (laughs) there was a lot of these things that, like, uh, you kind of have to find your way out of. Do you remember? Do you remember that sh- uh, the the film or the play Jeffrey? Oh yeah, um, for sure. You know, like Patrick do you Stewart. A, yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. There's a monologue that's like, um, I think it's Patrick Stewart has, has a has a monologue where him and his you know his his lover who is the um who's who's been in a dancer in Cats for like ten years. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very very nineties. Um, but Patrick Stewart has this has this monologue about how you know I was watching TV and. You know, this guy comes on, these two men come on and they're like, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, and we're gay. Yes, there are gay doctors and lawyers, and we are like, you know, they're wearing butch flannel. And Patrick Stewart's like, ooh, get her. <laughs> like, just thought, ooh, get her. We all knew that there was many different kinds of ways to be gay and ways to present masculinity. But the 90s was really obsessed with blending the fuck yep. in, yep. which is why I think I had this kind of sick fantasy about the like, you know, sort of like Scots Irish, big beefy football player, you know, thing is because I grew up around that. And it was like Abercrombie and Fitch was like at yeah. the height, like pack, pack was a pack sun was at the height of its mall cultureness. Yeah. Right. And so even if you were gay, as long as you presented as, well, hot and straight, you're fine. Oh, God. Um, What did you look like as a little kid? I (laughs) looked and sounded like I was 35 when I was 15. (laughs) Yeah. I looked and sounded like I was 35 when I was 25. Were they calling you you daddy at prom? 
Uh, yeah, pretty much. Did your mom right. have you answer the phone when it was people she didn't want to talk to? No, well, because my my name is Cecil and my dad's name is Cecil. Mm. So even from like, I would say like 12 and up, whenever I answered the phone, it'd be like, hello, is Cecil there? Yes. And then like work, 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 <laughs> engineering talk, engineering talk. And I'd be like, I think you want my dad. <laughs> you know, amazing. Wait, so being that you looked or sounded older for your age, did that affect anything like were you no did it just make it I mean, actually like what, harder like, uh okay to put it in perspective yeah in my high school um there was spirit week you know in which like all the freshmen would wear green all week and all the sophomores would wear yellow or some bullshit like that so i had a green terry cloth bathrobe like the oldest rattiest fucking <laughs> hand-me-down bathrobe but it was green so on spirit day, I showed up and I wore like, you know, just a pair of like shorts and a t-shirt and threw my bathrobe over top of it. A teacher stopped me in the hallway and said, um, excuse me, sir, if you're going to drop off your kid, you have to like put on real clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I just started here like three months ago. What is happening? Oh my God. That's terrible it's it's true it's, i'm just it's, trying like, to go to study hall yeah, i know yeah, exactly exactly um it, it, it's strange like i've never looked the way i sounded i've never you know i like my life has been a really weird mishmash of aquarius pisces cusp bizarreness you know like my mom is a brooklyn jew but she went down south to go to college met my dad and kind of never left and I inherited all of my mom's family genes. Like I look like Stanley Tucci, like Stanley Tucci and, and Woody Allen had a baby. It would be me. You know? <laughs> well, this... But I grew up in, but I grew up in Tennessee in which they don't even know what Catholics are. Never mind Jews. That's like a bridge too far for them. It's all Southern Baptist, young life, what, and you know, mega churches or nothing. Um, so I always looked different. And then because my mom was very perceptive about how people speak being a New Yorker and being uh, an expat New Yorker in Memphis and then in Knoxville, you know, she was like an, a regional accent is fine. Everybody has a regional accent, but like she was goddamn determined that her children would grow up speaking properly. So we weren't allowed to watch Hee Haw the Dukes of Hazard, <laughs> like a lot of that, like kind of Southern culture was that that plays on like we're just ignorant mountain folk. She had she had no time for that, mm -hmm. you know. So I, I I had and then also being like an outgoing introvert extrovert theater kid, I pick up accents pretty well. So it it just it all just it all turns into this weird mishmash but like i never looked like my thing like i had college professors being like you're really good but you're gonna have to wait 30 years to have a career and i was like why why <laughs> they're like you've got richard the third and hamlet and king or you've got richard the third and king lear and shylock and all that in you but like you're gonna have to be the character actor that like just kind of marks time until you get that like one role in your like 40s that you know is like the, the the shoe will fit like fucking cinderella you know that's actually better that's though true. that's totally better because that's when you really is need it? that money <laughs> yes 
you like think about when you're younger all the shit that came and left and now you're like oh you know what i'm ready and i need to pay that rent now so yeah oh my god so a little backstory about me is that you know kind of before night veil and around night veil uh the podcast i make um i i've kind of been a long-term uh company member and and alumni of this theater company called the neo-futurists which um they they're um they started off in in the 80s in uh chicago um as kind of a reaction to the sort of like sketch improv scene Mm -hmm. and their whole mo is you are who you are you are where you are and you're doing what you're doing like there's nowhere to hide like it's all about personal autobiographical storytelling so I wrote a lot of plays for them about being gay, HIV positive, um, being a fucking weirdo, dating weirdos, living at, you know, like the city I lived in, the things I loved about it, like finding the, you know, all that, like my, my world perspective. And when I went to Lisbon, it was a lot of those, those things that I would teach in workshops and I would talk to people about not only doing that in a theater way, but more importantly, transitioning into using technology to get your story out. And like, actually, I think Roman and Tyler, we did a little bit of this when we were on tour with, with, um, you know, with, with Scream Queens. And it's like, how do you tell your narrative of your whole life <laughs> to a group of strangers? Right. In three minutes. Right. You know, yeah. you like, where do you begin? How do you like, do you want to make it like, what is your tone? Like, what is the writing of it? What is the, do you present as someone who's dead serious, <clears throat> Roman, or someone who's like, <laughs> you know, let's like, just have a good hey, time, everybody. You know, like, yeah, good, or good time. jokes. Let's, let's tell like, us. go yeah. off the rails. Yeah. I like and to think no... of myself as Krusty the Clown, but thank you. <laughs> Krusty the Clown. Oh my God. I can see that. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's really fascinating, especially talking to young people you know, it's, it's so inspiring and I wish I did more of it. And especially now, nowadays, um, I think the pandemic is kind of making me kind of hard reset. I was really surprised by what, how much of a massive following of youth you have. Yeah. Um, those youth, they love you. You are hot shit right now to them. You have been, and I'm, I'm really fascinated by that. How do you, cause you've traveled everywhere. Your fans will call them are like, how old are they usually? What's your average age? Um, all ages, all ages, right? But Night Vale hit upon a chord in like the the world zeitgeist, like what was just going on. Um, it was the year that Pacific Rim came out. Um, Doctor Who, Sherlock. And and uh, what's the third the third super who lock um, supernatural, that was ruling Tumblr. Back when Tumblr had porn, right? You know, remember those days? It still does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It the bubble has burst. Like you can't go back. But this was the <laughs> thank height. you Twitter. But it, it was it was that moment that Night Vale caught fire. You know, like we'd been making the show for like a year and a half, um, but it was that moment that I would say. Uh, age 12 to 24, you know, um, either female, non-gender binary, trans, like people of color, uh, people around the world that maybe 
This is fascinating because I do speak relatively succinctly, slowly, and 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 eloquently. Um, a lot of people from around the world caught on to this English language podcast because it was kind of spoopy and queer, but also because they could like literally follow along. Right. You know, yeah. like it's it's very creepy, existential, you know, like prose, but when you hear it. Like, I like to think that my performance, like with my years of Shakespeare training and actory training and all that sort of shit, um, helps non-English speakers understand. And we like, you know, anyway, that's neither here nor neither here nor there. But but I think that contributed to like an, an international level of a praise for Night Vale that we wouldn't have gotten had Brazil not been in there, Australia, like, and that's what led to having like doing you know like 75 city world tours like uh, since then people so but people really have latched on to you and i think that's i understand oh, yes. why i love it but like like barnacles <laughs> <laughs> yeah. until that moment it is it also a labor of love until it blows up like that like how do I, you transition from like i do this every day and now suddenly people Oh my God. I had like, it's, I mean, it's so my life changed a hundred percent. Like I've been fired from my job. Like I was like waiting tables in NoHo and, you know, like in a celebrity restaurant to like CNBC restaurant. And like, I had been fired because my attitude was for shit and I was burnt out, you know, <laughs> like working this job and like auditioning for shit and making the theater in the East village at one o'clock in the morning, every weekend, you know, do you still have serving nightmares? You know, I did for a long time. I did for a really long time. I literally, like, I have enough money in my savings to last, like, another month in New York City. And in that month, Night Vale, Night vale happened. And literally within a span of that summer, by the end of that summer, we had, like, more downloads than than This American Life, you know. And and how does that bonkers. change production? You're like, well, I guess this is my my main... It didn't honestly it didn't change it at all because podcasts are free like it's a it's a you know and only only in the recently in the past like year or two or a little bit longer you know night vale has put ads into their podcast like night vale was always ad free like when like when we were on the ground in the beginning for years you know so all the you know like it it, it was still just like a cool thing that i did and it wasn't until you know, we kind of got the idea, oh, we should do live shows because myself, the two writers, uh, um, the, the our Deb, our sort of MC, or not Deb, uh, Meg Bashwinner, who was the voice of the credits and then later played the role of Deb. Um, we're just like, well, we're all, we're all part of this neo-futurist theater company. So we're just like, let's, let's sell some tickets and actually be able to afford, because it's, you know, being a podcast celebrity is great and all. <laughs> But you can't pay your rent in Facebook likes, you know, you can't, you know, you can't like take those Twitters to the bank unless you live in L.A. and you're magic. And I don't understand how that works. But <laughs> here on the ground in New York, it's like, yay, let's actually go sell tickets. You know, like we've we've run a, we've run an off off Broadway theater company for years. We know how this like I can call a 75 seat house as well as the next person. So we just started doing that. And, you know, we did like a lot of like back uh, like backroom um, late night weird stand up and cabaret and like not cabaret, but like, you know, like the weird, you know, like there's that one bar that if you go in the back, 
it just has the strangest programming. You know, it's like one night they're doing like Brazilian cartoons about ponies. And then the next night it's <laughs> every like, time I go there, it's karaoke and I leave. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just a front, but that's just a front because at like one o'clock and we became that, like we did a few of those where it's, you know, where Joseph, one of the writers would just sort of give me a bit of the podcast. And we're like, well, let's just see what this sounds like instead of on a podcast, like in front of audiences. And it was fun and engaging and everything I've ever wanted to do with my life. And now it seems like every podcast is a touring show. When the Dude, world was the way it was, did you guys? Been, it's been so weird watching that change happen. Because night, like, not that Nightville did it first, but we kind of did it. We did it earlier not only did you do it first but you got to a point where you were traveling like yeah. eight months out of the year right like how like we would every time like, we tried to talk to you you were in some random place yeah because my ass doesn't get paid unless i show up i'm like you know i'm like uh carol channing you know what somebody once said of carol channing that she would raspberries the, she, raspberries <laughs> she would that she would she would um she would uh show up for the opening of an envelope like she just she would literally would do <laughs> she would do like a matinee of hello dolly in like des moines and then fly back to new york and then do like a fundraiser or something like that like she and that to me being a theater actor, that was like the dream. Carol Channing. Carol Channing is my fucking, like, you know, Patronus is what I'm trying to say. Raspberry! <laughs> but, you know, but like that, that mentality of theater when pre-digital theater in which like a nine-month tour is a nine-month tour. You know, like it's like that theater artisan, like where you like there's work involved because you've got to drive the trucks. You've got to like load in the gear. You've got to be able to like talk to a whole bunch of big burly teamsters and be like, no, I need I need these pig irons. I need them over there. Like and kind of with, you know, be able to walk into a theater space or a roadhouse and do Were it. you in the role of producer on that? Like, no, no, no. I was always the talent. I was always the talent, which I appreciate. Um, like I, but, you know, as the talent, I, I like to see myself as all theaters are my home, even if I've never been there before. And the people that live and work there, like that's their home as well. But the stage and the time on stage that I get during vocal warm, the like mic check, which these guys are used to like mic check for singer songwriters or bands. You know, so when we roll in and legit, like the first few years we started touring, the amount of times people would be like, what? What's a podcast? What? You know, like they couldn't, they didn't even understand. And we would like what a podcast on stage even looked like. So we'd send them our plot, like our lighting plot and our sound plot. And, you know, it would literally just be like microphone center for Cecil, like you know, two tables for John Bernstein, who, aka Disparition, and all of his like toodles and noodles doing all the backup, you know, and then there was like our, our, our stage left, which is like for the musician, which was, again, we're singers like indie singer songwriters, which was another part of Night Vale that was so illuminating was that each episode of the podcast features a song by an independent artist, right? Just people that Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner liked. You know, and that they would agree to put their song on a podcast. And then eventually we became friends with them through touring with them and they like living in the. And so, like, the theater lifestyle meets the, you know. Right. Um, now you're a traveling band of 
circus people. Right. Like, like seriously, it's, it's old school bus and truck theater. Um, it's, 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 I don't know, like I'm, I'm kind of like old timey in that respect. Like as much as I love social media and all that shit, like when the apocalypse happens, I'm going to be that preacher living down in the smoky mountains of Tennessee. That's like starting the new queer America into the wilderness. <laughs> right, I'm putting, right. I'm putting that out into the universe. You gave us some traveling tips when we were in Texas that were, which I, which I love and I still use. Do I you think, remember, do you remember what they were? The one that yeah. st stuck with me that I love so much is uh, be really kind to yourself when you're packing and you're living out of a suitcase Put something, put like a a nice smelling oh, yeah. bar of soap. Yep. In, yeah, yeah. In, it's it's so, the lush. It's the lush. It's the lush. Uh, right. Uh, and now every time I open that suitcase, I'm like, oh wow, I yeah. don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind living here. That's yes, I love that. And Roman, you you got a pair of like, um, they're called like yoga tune-up balls. Those yeah. are blue balls if I've ever seen them. You got those blue balls. Yeah. So Man. you you told me about this for the back, and I went out and got them immediately. I'm actually leaving tomorrow for a road trip to California. Oh shit! By myself. Nice. Um, ugh, that so kind of thing could go in any bag. It was a yeah. brilliant idea. The little rubber balls in a bag, a little bag that you can roll around on whatever but i like to i like to do them on my feet mm. like after after i found because you know night vale is like stand-up existential comedy essentially you know so like doing a hour so selling out across the nation uh, you know we try <laughs> <laughs> but, but the there's so times. many things people don't even realize that go into the trout they think it's all so oh, glamorous yeah. but like you never have your own bathroom you're nope. constantly always having to think ahead with like do i have socks i can change Dude, into everything must must be planned out everything is like, which is so not antithetical to my way of life like i like i like traveling i like travel to be a bit of an adventure you know like i want to know what are some like tent stakes like where am i staying where's a restaurant i want to eat at maybe or where's a thing i want to go see and kind of knowing where it is but i don't need to like be like at seven o'clock <laughs> we do this and then at 7 15 we move from this to this and then at you know and and when you're touring not traveling not not like fun times travel but when you're touring and and you're especially don't have a lot of money mm. and resources are limited like you know what hell is waiting at the airport to pick up the rental car uh. listen <laughs> i have spent so much goddamn time with like a couple of other actors and musicians like and you just you know, we have to send an away team to go pick it up while the rest of us go like grab everyone's luggage. <laughs> we became, we've become, Night Vale has become literal experts at how to identify each other's suitcases. Like it's, we've, it's, it's so much fun, but also fun that won't appear as fun sure. until later when you're at home and looking back. Yeah. Right. Because at the right. time, it just blows chunks. That's what I said to Tyler all the time. <laughs> I'm like, I know we're fucking pissed right now, but love it because later, right, right. Later, now, now, now that the the touring has stopped, you realize, then wow, seem like champions. That was the best time of my life. I wow. never felt bad. Everything was wonderful. <laughs> we met so many amazing people, and we did at the same time. It's like yeah. I appear to be very extroverted sometimes yeah. but really i need a lot of quiet and alone time which yeah. i yeah you need to recharge those batteries totally totally tyler and i are ernie and bert but on the surface <laughs> we seem i seem like the bert you're flopped right but right that bitch is 
I'm I'm actually fine. I got so mad at Roman for eating <laughs> chips in his half of the bed, and then just like throwing the bag on the floor. And I just like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what's your damage, dude? It'll make a family out of on you. On the flip like, side of that, now the world is how it is, yep. and everything is stopped. Yep. Like now that part of your life is on hold. And you're either like standing idle or you have to do other things. Right, right, right. What do you do? What am I doing? Um, I, you know, I've done I've done a fair share of Zoom readings, you know, theater Zoom readings. I've done a few of those. I I'm I'm a little bored. <laughs> I'm a little right. bored. Like I kind of appreciate my own entertainment a little bit and and maybe maybe when I said earlier that I just wanted to like get back into my body a little bit is is true in that you know, Nightfell's still rolling. You know, I'm still recording podcasts. I'm like, I also started another podcast. But I think when I'm done with work, I like to turn the computer off and then stand up and move about a bit. Um, he has legs. He has legs. I was actually thinking, uh, I've got a question for you guys. Because um, oh, I love travel. We, we don't travel. do that. Here. No, we don't do that? No, no. Okay, then I'll just continue talking about myself. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, no. Go on, uh, continue. No, I was kind of thinking like, you know, uh, this morning I was having the, you know, if you were to make your like top three bucket list, top five bucket list, a pandemic ends tomorrow, everyone is health, healthy and safe and cool. Where would you go? What would you do? And part of me just wants to fuck off and go to mime school in Paris for like <laughs> six months. Yeah. And just like drop off the grid. Like nothing, like just like tell my mom, like write everybody a note, give up my apartment in Brooklyn and just be like, fuck it. I'm going to Paris. I'm becoming a mime. Bye. Like, like mime just because it seems like they do that there or you really would want to be a mime. You well, can't just subscribe to Masterclass and learn <laughs> mime school girl, while you're I've doing yoga. I've, I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. Like I've, I've halfway studied. I've halfway studied so much shit in my life. <laughs> Roman's making a box. I'm trying poorly. I, I, he's I'm poorly. poorly. Watch. I get mine's like this weird funk break dance version. <laughs> I'm pulling a rope. I'm pulling an imaginary rope. <laughs> Tyler is hanging himself. Have you ever seen like actual mime? Like I'm not talking pulling a rope. I'm not talking we, in a box. I mean, we had mimes come to our elementary school class. See, and that's exactly it. Like you think of that, like, like you know, like something you would find at like Party City, but like actual physical actor training, which could be construed as mime or it could be construed as dance or, you know, whatever you want. You know, um, there's like a lot of different, there's also a Japanese school that I'm kind of obsessed with uh, called um, Suzuki Method. That's like, it's like a combo of modern theater and old school kabuki and no theater. That's just Japanese mime. That's all it is. Like it's, I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I'm middle age. I'm like, instead of buying a sports car, I'm going to go to fucking Suzuki camp in Japan for a year it's, after all this bullshit it's is over. interesting to me that you want to have your next career with no voice whatsoever. That's right. I'm fucking sick of sitting in a, in a chair yeah. And talking into a microphone, mm. you know, or I or being just like behind the mic, like do, essentially doing podcast stand up, scripted podcast stand up in front of in front of Night Vale fans. Like I love it, but like I've been doing Night Vale for almost a decade now, you know. Like 
I kind of want to live in my body again. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot of positive things you could say about this year in terms of how it's allowed a lot of us to reset or face mm -hmm. things and be like, you know what, I'm going to, I don't, I want something different. And mm -hmm. I am a lot like you. I spend seven days a week at the computer editing sound. So now I finally get to stand up, like you just said, and, uh -huh. and move around. I'm like, oh, this body needs some work, but move around those yeah. old bones. Yeah. And I'm stretch it out. I don't man. think I can go back to just being at my desk like I was. And so that's a good, that's a positive thing. There's a lot of grief that comes with what we're living in now. So it sounds like you're, you're still trying to sort through some of that. Yeah, of course. But hey, I mean, when, when, when do we as a collective group ever really get a hard reset? Like, I don't it's, think it's going right. to happen again. You know, you know the term deus ex machina, God machine, God from the machine, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it is, do you know where that I know that from? Smashing Pumpkins album. Okay, so <laughs> theater, here's some little theater history for you. Like back in ancient Greece, like the birthplace of theater, 2000 BC or whatever, like a deus ex machina was literally a wagon that they would wheel on stage at the end when the crisis had gotten like so, like, ah, like it had gotten to a boiling point where literally the gods had to like step in. And so it was always a machine, machina, um, you know, like that usually had dead bodies on it that they're like, look at your children. Why have you slain them? And the, you know, the gods will punish you. So it's, it's this thing that like affects everybody. It's like catastrophic, right? The thing about like COVID is that it wasn't a natural disaster. It wasn't an earthquake. It wasn't a flood because those are very localized things, you know, like you can be like, oh my God, Nepal, holy shit. Wow. Or, you know, like this year was, um, you know, like, um, what's that Beirut where like that building, like just like, <clears throat> like completely oh, right. caught on fire. That's very localized. So I can watch that in New York be like, fuck, I need to help or do something, but it doesn't affect my everyday life mm -hmm. or a war, which is, you know, humans just trying to fuck each other over, you know, but that's human shit. This was something that was worldwide, but not localized. And it, it was that hard reset. It was like the gods came down and they were like, we have decided mm -hmm. to bring the Pandora's box has been opened. Forever right. you shall be cursed. <laughs> you shall wear masks and sunglasses Here and have it fold up for the rest of your lives. And 200 years later, we'll write a play about the day that like it all went into lockdown and it'll be looking back at like the difference between running out the door and running out the door and putting on a mask, the difference between people having to have a stance on wearing a mask or not wearing a mask or my body or your, like all that, like all that bullshit and it's going to get washed through time and it's going to become like a period piece of 2020. But I think the pandemic has kind of made a lot of people admit they're like, wait, oh, wait. Right. Do I really want to live in New York? Do I really right. want to do what I'm doing? Do I really? Well, when what, I, what you're doing and, starts to deteriorate, then you're like, well, the payoff of living here isn't really working. Right. You know, when like 94% of like SAG employees are like unemployed or shit and shit like that. And, you know, like, so no money and no opportunities. Cool. Yeah. Like it, it makes you question 
like some really fundamental shit. And for me, you know, I'm really thankful that, you know, taking walks in the woods, you know, going back to like my Tennessee roots, like <laughs> has been kind of a nice little touchstone. And I'm, and I like, and also, um, you know, my, my, my Instagram aesthetic is like urban Zen Buddhist, you know, is kind of what I like right. go for. Um, like this past summer in New York, walking around, like, you know, when I'm like, actually got to get out the door and buy some shit, you know, and, and realizing that there's no tourists in New York, like it's, it was refreshing in a way, which made me realize, okay, if New York does go back to being like, America's city, the world, city of the world. Do I really want to live there? You know, like that, that, if I like this sort of stripped down, quieter version of the place I live, like, why not do that? It's cheaper. Somewhere else. <laughs> right. Well, you know. you know, we're kind of, we're molding our world right now to, so that we have more chances to do what you do and what I do elsewhere. You know, just so that we have options, so that we're not confined to the cities as professionals, and then that's it. And so, it might yeah. Make, and it might make this shit even better. Yeah. You know, because here's the thing. In my career, I have only booked commercial voiceover twice. Yeah, I was wondering about that. You Only twice. Do you have an, do you have an agent? Of course I do. I've got a few I mean, of them. I, I, I figured, but at the moment... I got all the agents, kid. No, I mean, it's the difference between... And I think I figured it out like a few years back. When I'm recording Night Vale, I'm sitting in my, in my living room slash office, you know, which is just me at my computer. And it's been that way since day one. Like when I was living up in West Harlem and there were fucking helicopters like at Riverside Drive and it was like trying to record a podcast in the heat of summer with no air conditioning and all that shit. Yeah. You know, I'm so in my element. I could be, I could be naked right now. <laughs> um, you wouldn't know. Stand up, Cecil. Stop it, Jeffrey Tubin. <laughs> in the podcast world. Zoom dick incident. And, and I've been working, I'd like, I've been working this way for like almost 10 years now. And, and I realize I'm so relaxed and, and I can do it as many times as I need to because Night Vale is not just a chat podcast. It's like we approached it as it is audio theater, you know, like it sometimes needs rehearsal. You got to like, you know, and the, 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 um, the difference between that and going to like a casting agency in mid, midtown Manhattan where, you know, you're standing in line. There's a waiting room with like seven other guys that are always all straight, it seems, and you know, all live out on Long Island, but they have that voice. They're that guy with that voice. I was a casting director in Manhattan, so I had the waiting you know, room with that. Like it's yeah, and yeah. and you know, and and you would get to see the same people over and over, and they all kind of know each other. There's never any people of color, there's never any women. That's it's crazy. You know, it was always those guys, those guys with that voice. Yeah, right. announcer. Keep yeah. going, keep going. <laughs> and and I I don't know how to do that unironically. Right. You know, like I would walk in and it was just like the new baconator pepperoni pizza from from pizza hut the baconiest bacon bacon yeah. and i'm like this is bullshit you guys i literally got a casting call for unique individuals and you just want me to sound like jesse eisenberg like yeah. i like what the living fuck the character specs are are rough in life right now like that yeah and so i never nailed it I, I, I got like a Coke commercial that was very nice, you know, it was cool. It was super simple and it was a lot of fun to do, you know, but it wasn't like, 
huge, huge. But you know what, you though? Know. Like, I hear what you're saying. That process isn't for you. Like, it's not. Especially when you've got this that's that you have roots with and that you feel is more true. But when I was doing that, there was, I mean, of course, all the, the national commercials want the same announcer voice. Yeah. But yeah. then they'll be like, What's her name from Bob's Burgers? Kristen Schull? Oh, yeah. Kristen Schull. Yeah. That's a great example. Yeah. They're Kristen like, Schull we was them- like, she wasn't even like going to these auditions and Baskin Robbins like, yep. we want her. So yeah, you yeah. can do that same thing. But obviously, you don't want to pound the pavement, do the daily grind. But that doesn't mean it's out of the question for you. I, you know, it's so funny, like, like, when I moved to New York City, I, I t- like, I did some improv classes and kind of got into that world and was had some commercial success because the commercial and the improv world is very linked, yeah. you know, in the in the same way, you know, and that's like, we know our copy shit, we just need to hire funny people that are going to ad lib something that's way better. And then we'll just roll with that and we'll look amazing and we'll make a million bucks. Like that's how the advertising industry works, right? Can I get a writing credit on that too? Yeah, 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 yeah. So there was literally, there was like a handful of guys on 30 Rock and like in the improv world that every time I would like literally walk, walk into the casting room and if they were waiting outside, I'd be like, well, guess I'll just put on my shoes and go right back home, <laughs> you know? Because they were like in it, they were in it. And I'm delightfully indescribable right. i'm a i'm a cult hit please right? come see my late night comedy theater in down the late the more you drink the funnier we are in the like, back of the blue dvd store do you know oh how many do you know how many people like instantly recognized your voice from scream queen like came to us because they heard it was you like they had yes, no connection to yes, mark Patton yes. or or even freddy krueger there was people excited because they knew you i was their gateway like i was that weird gateway be like oh you're like a 15 year old like purple haired non-gender binary like university student or high school student you know mm-hmm. this was made before you were even a twinkle in your parents eye but now you're going to watch something that I grew up with, which was that kind of like that, like AIDS era, like crazy, like what that, what being queer back then was like. And now the torch has been passed on to you. So I'm really very thankful that I get to be that gateway. It's awesome. It's like the irony of my life is that I won't be around to witness it because it's always through this technology that separates, you know, and the only thing like, that makes that gives me a charge is when I get to perform for people and that feedback is like immediate. Well, you know, those, those, those fans of yours are going to be doing their own advertising soon. So, you know what I mean? Like you, you just got to tap into their own inner Cecil. Right. Right. Exactly. Meanwhile, I'll be like, I'll be like doing like my one man show at the Edinburgh fringe for like 12 people. (laughs) Just be like, there is a time that I was so (laughs) fucked up. I tried to get onto an airplane with no license and they had to call my grandmother and you know, like all that kind of shit. Then you start singing like sister act and everyone's happy. That's it. And done. Fringe success. No, I like, I love being, I love being a fringe. I love being a fringe artist. Well, as we are winding down, we do like to play one game with our guests. It's a quick answer game. Uh, we're going to give you a series. I'm getting there. We're going to give you a series of uh, potentially problematic. No, what am I saying? Uh, Are you saying polarizing, polarizing things that you just have to comment on positively? Yes. Okay. 
You can be sincere or sarcastic, but you must say, say something, something nice. nice. Say something nice. Well, you know what they say. If you don't have anything nice to say, come sit next to me. Word. Bring it. <laughs> Cecil, say something nice about Four Seasons Total Landscaping. It's close proximity to a dildo shop means you can get married on the set of the Trump disaster. And your honeymoon is already taken care of. Ooh. Fabulous. <laughs> say something nice about being single during quarantine. <laughs> your left bicep is tight. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say something nice about ASMR OnlyFans. What? Is that real? You could literally wear anything and still be uh, a success. Okay. This is the worst game ever. This is a terrible game. Why are you making me play this? No, just hold on. Just hold on. Say something nice about hot guys who listen to terrible music. <laughs> At least you're pretty. A male model's life is a precious, precious commodity. Say something nice about the great British Bake Off. Oh, I mean, it's like, you know, like a warm, fuzzy sweater that makes me forget my fucking life. Texture of your flapjack. It looks a bit wet. Say something nice about growing up in the South. Mmm. <laughs> you can properly season food. Okay, that's good. Say something nice about Thanksgiving. It's a good time to rewatch all of the Lord of the Rings. Thank you. That was Fuck brilliant. Yeah. Yes, we're good. All right. As we wrap up, we'd like to give you the floor to assign homework to our listeners. Anything you're reading, watching, listening to that you think is absolutely necessary that other people should know about, this is the time to let them know. Oh, man. Well, I'm definitely watching a lot of horror films for the horror film podcast, Random Horror number nine. What are you guys doing next? Or can you not say? Um, let's see. Chronologically, I think, you know, uh, like Suspiria is coming up. The original Suspiria is coming up. Um, I'm really excited about some of the guests that we have coming mm. up, like Ophira Eisenberg. Um, oh, man, we've got like some good ones that we watch a lot of in the next few weeks. Very like campy, funny kind of shit. So like, here's some homework for you. The Toxic Avenger. Yes. Rewatch. Yes. Give, give the, go back to the original Toxie and give that a watch. Number two, and this is like with all with all love, Godzilla. Mm. Like seriously, there are 30 plus Godzilla movies. There's almost more Godzilla movies than there are any other franchise, any other major franchise, you know? Um, it's like a James Bond. It's like a, you know, one of those. Can and you drop all, into any Godzilla or do you have to start all from the beginning? That shit bonkers crazy. And you can kind of go anywhere. You understand what Godzilla is. He's a giant dinosaur that lives under the earth, but sometimes he has friends. Oftentimes he has enemies <laughs> and bonkers, but the original one is pretty goddamn good and much different than what you think it is. Uh, so give Godzilla watch. And if you're, you know, if you like binge watching shit, you literally have 30 other full length movies to get you through the long, long weekend. Beautiful. That's Beautiful. good advice. I'm going to do it. Thank you, Katrina. 
Thank you, Katrina. Uh, yes, I'm on top of that rose. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you, Katrina. Thank you, Katrina. Cecil, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Cecil Baldwin, I, I, I. Cecil Baldwin the third. Um, yeah, find me, listen to Random Horror Number 9, listen to Night Vale. We're still making, we're approaching our 200th episode of Night Vale. I can see it. I got my eyes on the prize. We are the great granddaddy of crazy, weird fictional podcasting. Get into it. We're like uh, Papa Simpson, just like shaking her fist at the sky. Just being like, Where's God damn you, count! <laughs> yeah, Where's yeah, my cake? We are that of the podcast worlds. I love it. All that French horn playing is finally paying off. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Loose like wizard sleep. Insert sound effect right here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that what that was? Oh. I think we're done. <laughs> I think we are. You know, I don't give a fuck. Just like, I want to be that guy. I'm going to be like the Udo Kier of, uh, you know, of like, the indie horror combine world. that with your new career as a mime and you could just be on the street as a monster mime right. monster mime oh. god what what would a mime themed horror film toodles and noodles toodles and noodles <laughs> that would totally be my mime name that's absolutely toodles and name. noodles you need to have Wait. noodles is in a yeah. basket <laughs> Oh man, Tyler, what do you, what do you, what your, your mime themed horror? It would be called A Quiet Place Part Two. <laughs> yeah, it's you're like, it's already been made. It's already been made. It's done. It's done. Um, I always thought a lie of the mime. <laughs> <laughs> what? Just, just because it's really hard to say. A lie of the mime. It's the next rural juror. The, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, for me, which is rural root. I can never say rural root. I can't say nice. rural to save my life. Rural root. Rural. 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 I just feel like a dog with like peanut butter in its mouth. Rural root. Rural root.